Would you like to play the guitar? Spend your whole weekend in the car. Essentially, if you're going to be a musician, you've got to get used to the fact that you're going to spend most of your weekends traveling anyway. <laughs> That's, that was really good. You're the first time anyone's ever sung on my podcast, so thank you. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Rodds and I'm co-presenter. Today, Joe's interviewing George Bell. Joe met George through the Engage for Success movement when George got in touch to talk employee engagement through singing and choirs, something close to Joe's heart, as you can imagine. George is a musician and cultural entrepreneur. He was director of Small is Beautiful Festival for six years, a weekend of talks, workshops and debates exploring positive responses to our future through low-carb technologies, social justice and the arts. As captain of the Nest Collective, a premises-less folk and world music club started by the folk singer Sam Lee, George spent three years producing and programming over 100 shows per year across a huge variety of London venues and festivals, from small community gardens to the Royal Festival Halls. During this time, he also managed the Song Collectors Collective, documenting the dying tradition of gypsy and traveller folk song. More recently, he's been a founding director of the Music Halls Project, repurposing churches and other stunning old buildings in North London for use as concert spaces for world-class programmes of, of jazz, folk and world music genres. They were instrumental in the Walton Forest, becoming barocultural in 2019. Alongside the Music Halls Project, George runs Onsong, an organisation whose mission is to solve problems of low well-being and poor mental health among employees of large organisations through song. They run weekly choir programmes of staff, reframing the notion of group singing to make sessions more accessible and incorporating their bespoke app to help individual learning, increasing confidence and making their choirs sound better faster. George has played music since a very young age and has toured Europe with various music groups playing keys and more recently being heavily involved with the UK folk scene, teaching himself the piano accordion over the three weeks back in 2010 for the first gig of his band Fitty Gomash. He currently plays Kaylee's on a regular basis with various outfits. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing George Bell of Onsong. So thanks for joining me, George. Great to have you here. Hello, Joe. Nice to be here. Lovely. We'll start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. 
Well, I am a uh, musician by trade, going back uh, since the age of about six. Um, I am, uh, I suppose, I call myself a cultural entrepreneur this, these days um, and have set up lots of um, projects um, within the kind of general cultural sphere. Um, the primary project I'm working on now, though, is on song, bringing choirs um, to workplaces um, around the UK, which is currently based in London. Um, alongside a couple of other projects, we've set up the Music Halls project, um, which is repurposing beautiful old working churches, I hate to add, um, to turn them into concert venues. So we have um, three venues in North London um, where we put together a weekly programme of um, beautiful music across jazz, folk and world genres. That sounds very exciting. I also noticed from your bio that um, that you um, playing at Kaylee's. <laughs> I, I, I seem to I seem to have developed this 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 um, character for myself as the default Kaylee provider of, um, of of the UK, nay the world. No, we've I have I have been since um I I, I played music in, in France for a long time, um, in various outfits touring around, um, and on moving back to to to, to the UK. Um, I moved in with all some of my best friends who were all folkies, ardent folkies, and um, a band was formed. Um, and then Kaylee's became the default kind of fallback um, money earner, in fact, of what we did. Uh, and then my subsequent job in London involved playing Kaylee's and running a Kaylee band. Uh, and so there's not a lot I don't know about playing Kaylee's, it has to be said. It's very impressive. I had Kaylee at my wedding. We, uh, we're into, well, not completely into that, but um, we figured it was the way of getting everyone up dancing at the end instead of all sitting around the edges watching the three people who actually wanted to disco dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good way to do it. It's interesting. I'm, I'm actually um, planning my own wedding for next summer. Um, and there's hefty debate whether we're going to have a Kaylee or not. But uh, <laughs> through through my through my uh, my kind of side hat as a, as a Kaylee, professional I have been to more weddings than you can possibly shake a stick out over the last 10 years so um, <laughs> there's plenty of context on from which to draw exactly and I'm sure you've seen exactly that it does have that that uh, that good effect <laughs> I've seen the best and the worst sometimes it incredibly works well sometimes it doesn't sometimes people get a uh, polished wood dance floor and decide to spill their drinks and then um, uh, chaos ensues we yeah, actually have a clause in our contract saying please do not have a polished dance floor if you are going to have a Kaylee band. Oh really? Oh, that's funny. Yes, I can imagine. We we got married at uh, a local castle, as you do. Um, so they don't castle. have a very they don't have a very po polished floor. But I also happen to have um, most of my family are uh, either Scottish or live in Scotland, so they led a lot of the Kaylee anyway. So it was all very good. <laughs> oh well, it's always slightly intimidating when people with a kilt turn up. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I think the rest of the guests said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, so the on song. Tell us a bit more about that. Why do you do that? Why do you do what you do now? Because as you say, you've had so many different experiences, and I guess there's so many different directions you could have gone in with your music. So, so what is on song, and why do you do that? On song um, is, I suppose, a coming together of many of our different um, passions. Um, on song was founded by myself and my business partner Greg, um, and we set out to. Uh, to, yeah, to bring our passion for uh, bringing people together, um, for, for writing and arranging and curating beautiful music. Um, and we wanted to kind of, um, oh, I suppose, use what we saw as a really good opportunity, um, uh, business opportunity that presented itself. Um, we, my, my business partner, Greg, um, has been a, a choral conductor for a long time. 
Um, and he was approached a while ago by a few different people asking him if he could run a choir for their business. Um, and from there, from there, the whole idea grew, really. Um, and it seemed quite timely. I hate to bring his name, but, but, but Mr. Gareth Malone has done an <laughs> awful lot for um, the kind of image of um, the choir, uh, and particularly workplace choirs, actually, um, on his television work. My granny was talking about him just the other day. Um, <laughs> and um, it is very timely in terms of we, we didn't want to become something which was just, I say, in inverted commas, just another team building thing. Um, we wanted to do something which has a bit more um, has a bit more impact than that, shall we say? Um, and we have we've geared a lot of what we've done around um, the health and well-being, particularly the mental health um, benefits of singing, and particularly what that means for um, the workplace. Obviously, the mental health and, and, and employee well-being is something which is hugely on on um, the radars of big business organizations, increasingly so, I think. Um, and we have, um, we've actually found ourselves speaking at a number of conferences recently, um, talking a lot about the benefits of singing um, and, you know, the effect that it can for, have for individuals, but also for groups um, in bringing people together for team cohesion. Um, and then, yeah, the, the sort of the, the, many the many benefits it brings, so kind of on a meditative, meditative level, I mean, you'll know this very well, Joe, that if you're trying to sing something, um, you will not able to do much else with your, with your brain. You know, you're thinking about pitch, lyrics, tempo, um, melody line, um, you're thinking about, um, you know, the people around you, you're listening, you're watching the conductor, and in that sense, it really gets you, allows you to switch off from everything that's going on around you um, and to focus on one thing, which, you know, in this kind of media and technology saturated world, trying to focus your brain on one thing at once, especially for a kind of, you know, as someone in a sort of project manager role um, can be can be really tricky. So mm. um, so we've that's the kind of uh, one of the principal aims in what we're doing. And alongside that, we have built um, an app um, just a in its current form, in version one form, it's a simple um, kind of a repository of um, of materials, so that you get to essentially practice on your own. If you practice on your own, um, it develops confidence, and if you develop confidence, then a the choir sounds a lot better, faster, but also um, you know the individual derives a huge amount more benefit from it because actually a lot of people don't feel too confident about singing, um, and you know, if you're if you're feeling quite kind of inhibited and te tense, then it's certainly not giving you all the benefit that we're that we're talking about. So mm. it's it's generally a way of giving people um, giving people voice. I mean, it's that it's that as much as anything else. You know, a lot of people um, talk about the the way it has helped them to speak um, in public or to speak in meetings or to you know be more confident in your own voice. A lot of that, a lot of what we talk about is the physicality of it, in terms yeah. of you know, what's actually happening when I'm making a noise? What are the, what are your vocal cords doing? You know, how is your body? Um, what's your tongue doing? What are the muscles in your face doing? You know, where, where, where are you singing from, from the diaphragm? What are you, where are your shoulders? All these kinds of things. So mm -hmm. it's really kind of putting all of those to the front and center of what people are, are mm. thinking about when making noises. Well, it's interesting that the person I just interviewed earlier, he's on a, a, one of the other shows was talking about the importance of breathing. Uh, and it wasn't in relation to singing, but of course, as a, a, a fellow singer, I sort of immediately switched into that in my head, thinking exactly what you just said about the 
diaphragmatic breathing and uh, that's one of the really big things isn't it for people that people generally don't breathe very deeply or very regularly or with much control or whatever and the singing really helps with that doesn't it absolutely it's about i suppose it's about becoming more aware of your physique of your physicality of the amazing facets that you've been given you know that's the that's one of the beautiful things um is being aware much as like much as a dancer is incredibly aware of of their body and if you go to a dance class then you will be given instruction on how to use your body in ways you had no idea mm. similarly singing and breathing does that it offers you an opportunity to uh to gain a better understanding i suppose of of of, of this fantastic tool that we all have and we do all have it that's the other thing is that you know we have you know all these statistics saying something like 80 percent of, of of people in their adult life have been told at some time or other that they can't sing, be it by a partner, be it by you know whoever, someone in the street shouting at you. Um, but yet, less than two percent of people are, are actually tone deaf. So in in many ways, there's a kind of it's not a skills gap; it's like an enormous confidence gap actually in terms of people actually believing that they're able to do it when everyone's got you know everyone's got a voice. Mm, yes, yeah. So in terms of how you do this and where you do this, you're based in. Uh, London you were telling me that um that you've uh, moved outside of London so you're sort of commuting now do you work in London all the time do you work on uh, premises of your clients how, how, how does your day look we we run the sessions on the premises of our clients so we would one of our, us or one of our one of our um conductors would go in but no we, we we work in London um three days a week I commute to London on a Tuesday morning generally and back on a Thursday evening um so I have three days a week in London and the rest of the time um, I am based out um, in Stroud, out in Gloucestershire, which is a, a recent move and um, completely, totally wonderful. I fully recommend it. <laughs> Lovely. So let's let's move, talk more on that subject then, in terms of how you prioritise your work and life, because clearly you've made a big decision to to change your environment and 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 added some traveling really as well as you know having that opportunity to not be in London so sort of what brought that about and and how are you making those two things work together now well I mean I suppose in the same as anybody it's circumstance is always generally what dictates big life changes um in our case um my fiance and I it was geared around um the need for a small person to start school um <laughs> and uh I think it was really good actually that we had we had a kind of milestone in place to say actually we're not going to faff around for 18 months deciding shall we shan't we you know London can really suck you in um, and much as I've really enjoyed being there having um, you know in it deciding in a reasonably small space of time let's do it let's 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 move somewhere else um, was was fantastic it was a really amazing decision to make um, we were actually based in different cities previously anyway um, so for me, the, the, number, the amount of traveling hasn't changed an awful lot um, because I'd spend most of my weekends, uh, one of us traveling to be to be with the other person. Um, and yeah, as such, uh, it, it's actually made, it's made life in uh, a lot easier. In, in many ways, I'm traveling less than I was anyway. Um, Just in a different direction. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a fantastic, um, I can't remember his name. There's, a, there's, a, there's an old time, an old time singer who we, we put on in my, my former job. We sang a, a, a fantastic rendition that said, um, would you like to play the guitar? Spend your whole weekend in the car. Essentially, <laughs> if you're gonna be a musician, you've gotta get used to the fact that you're gonna spend most of your weekends traveling anyway. 
That's, that was really good. You're the first time anyone's ever sung on my podcast, so thank you. And you've just brought to mind my friend, the drummer, and I, I follow him around on his Facebook account, and I don't know how he manages. In fact, I keep thinking I must get him on on the show. And uh, he, you're, you're right. He's he'll be, you know, in Portsmouth today, and Glasgow tomorrow, and Manchester the day after. And you just think, how can you do that and still be sane? <laughs> well, that that that. You know, podcasts is one thing. Um, I, I think. I mean, you have to view, you have to view it. You have to view it as a job. And often, you know, being being a musician is viewed in lots of different ways because it's something which is um, what many people see as something which a lot of people do in their leisure time. Um, you know, the value people place on musicians is something which 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 is obviously big on our agenda anyway. Because I'm a musician and I'm a promoter, so I'm kind of seeing it from both sides of the microphone, I suppose. Um, yeah. And valuing and um yeah as valuing what you know someone's 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 craft um is an, inc an incredibly important thing that often gets overlooked actually mm -hmm. um and you know there's so many different facets to the industry there's 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 the issues of the small venue closures and venue and, and um and which is putting strain on musicians and making a lot of the up-and-coming generation be forced to accept lower wages um, and generally, you know, there, there, there is there is less value, I think, than there should be on 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 actually what a craft and what a trade it is um, to, to 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 play music and to have to and to have to really um, and to, to all the work that goes in to getting to that point of of being paid, say, you know, a couple of hundred quid for an hour. You know, when you put it like that, it's like, wow, my God, yeah. you don't know you're born. It's like, well, actually. If, if like well for this, this for this Saturday I've got to go and play a gig and it's not particularly well paid I'm probably going to take about 160 pounds but I, it's going to take three hours three and a half hours to drive there and three and a half hours to drive back yeah so within that context you know but there's you know sometimes it's incredibly well paid sometimes it's less so but it's all part of the it's all part of the experience yeah and then, as I said a good podcast goes a very long way so this is completely on a tangent nothing to do with what I normally would talk about but I'm intrigued about the whole thing about uh, seeing music live or not with the advent of, you know, as we've just said, uh, technology. So in the choirs that I sing in, quite often we say, you know, people don't go out to see concerts like they used to because they can see, you know, the, the, the sort of professional London type concerts, you know, live streamed and all that sort of stuff, which wasn't possible, you know, all those years ago. So people are going out less to see it. But then on the other hand, when, People talked about, uh, you know, CDs and and um, album sales going down. There was a lot of talk about live show sales, ticket sales going up because people would want to go and see people live because that was the differentiator, if you like. Yeah. Discuss, discuss thoughts. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose that's the dichotomy of of the industry in many ways since the onset of digital or around 15 years ago. Um, there has been um, a, a sort of democratization, a shift away from label executives being the tastemakers, um, deciding yeah. who was going to make it. Um, a shift away from, you know, some artists, mostly very good ones, not always, um, doing very, very well out of publishing rights, um, out of writing some good music that got incredibly uh, widely played and incredibly widely bought because that was just how you consumed music. Um, to uh, a situation which we were faced with 
with you know Deezer often is cited as one of the original kind of perpetrators of the beginning of the end um, and the and the the dismantling of the industry in its kind of previous um, format um, and live music now or live music within that time frame has been seen as the kind of savior of the industry it's the one thing which has actually allowed musicians to continue to eke out a living doing what they're doing um, and it's the one thing that kind of sets, as you said, really sets uh, the experiences apart. You know, mm. it, it, it is a very different experience standing in a sweaty, less smoky these days, but sweaty, uh, boozy, crammed, dark room, feeling the bass coming literally through your, through your body, through your chest mm-hmm. and seeing the the sweat and the passion and the delivery and seeing someone shred. I mean, piano is my first, my first instrument, so nothing turns me on quite like seeing a shredding piano solo, but whatever it is, watching somebody tearing into their in- instrument, you know, it's so inspiring. And that yeah. is just not something that you get from, I mean, you get maybe a snippet of more from YouTube, but you know, it's not something which Spotify, uh, which Spotify gives you. I mean, music was made to be live, really. Mm. I mean, a lot of produced music nowadays, you know, is, is made to be played on beautiful speakers and whatnot, but or beautiful earphones. But you know, music's ma- made to be live. That's that's how it's supposed to be delivered. And actually, for a lot of artists, um, they will they they can be listened to incredibly widely, but it doesn't really stand for a lot for a lot unless they get out there and tour. And that's the difference, really. Um, yeah. The artists just don't, you know, you, you, you can be an internet sensation, but you have to have your craft honed. You have to know how to work a crowd. You have to know how to how to really deliver it because they're two completely different things. And again, it's something which I am very passionate about. And thinking about the closure of small venues, it's a very important, it's a really big thing, you know, not something like a third of, a third or a half of of of, of London's small grassroots grassroots venues have been lost, yeah. and you know the people the 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 up and coming are the ones who therefore don't get to hone their craft. I suppose they're the ones who really miss out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would think that the sort of um, without thinking about it, perspective on the organisation levels of a musician would be that they weren't particularly strong because they're they're a sort of you know creative go with the flow have a good time type uh, <laughs> sort of stereotype but it I, I don't I guess it's probably not true on the basis that there's lots of travel there's lots of detail to what you do and obviously you, you know you do uh you know other stuff around the venues and and promotion of events and all that sort of thing anyway but how, how do you organize your time and is it something that that you think musicians are generally good at or struggle with well, I, th- I think we're talking about two different things. One, one is how I organise my time, um, and I've been a festival director and a sort of project manager, and I've set up lots of different things. And so, I've had to be very—I've had to learn, I guess, the hard way how to go about really structuring my time and and and, and focusing and learning the right tools to use and all these different things. Yeah. Um, going back to the other point, there was—I was, think it's really interesting this idea of how organized a musician needs to be because yes i suppose there is a kind of um 
and maybe a sort of stereotypically held viewpoint about musicians being just kind of creatives who might get out of bed for a bowl of cornflakes at one in the <laughs> afternoon and maybe smoke a joint and then, you know, sit down and write a best-selling album and then just, you know, have somebody tell them where to go. You know, the reality is that um, you, for someone who, say, has, an out, has, a, has a record label, has, um, has management, is represented, um, you, you, you have to think about what the, what the toll of all those things are because it is wonderful having people telling you what to do and organizing stuff for you, but everyone takes their slice. And if the cake is not originally that big anyway, uh, then there's a huge drive towards, you, you, you have to kind of learn how to stand on your own two feet, essentially. I saw a brilliant talk a while ago from a, from a banjo player called Jamie Stone, he's a Canadian chap, plays a lot of old time. Um, and he came over and delivered a masterclass on essentially how to go at it alone as a musician and how to cut out all the people um, that take their little slice along the way. Essentially, how to be completely and ridiculously and fastidiously organized about everything to maximize your opportunity to actually be a professional at what you're doing. Mm. Um, and you know he was he was really making the case for um, maybe examples um, things like ways of going about organizing your diary, um, ways about going about organizing your your contacts. Um, I mean, it's almost like you know CRM for musicians. I mean, they weren't quite right. going into the, yeah. <laughs> the depths of the sort of what businesses use, but he was kind of coming up with ways of being really professional about main, maintaining contacts using google earth in the right way using google maps in the right way for organizing tours um ways of approaching travel you know there's so many different things before you even get into the sort of publishing and, and the, the 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 actual music side of things yeah um yeah, yeah organization yeah. is key absolutely i'm right behind <laughs> it <laughs> so what about uh, tools or apps that that you use and and swear by what what, what would your top three be um, I'm holding it right now. It's my pen. Because you start flicking through your phone. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think we're all very aware of what uh, technology is doing to us all. But I have to say, with no bias at all, my notebook and my pen are my number one by a long way. Yeah. I carry. I have a. I have a notebook and a separate physical diary and a, and a nice pen. They go with me absolutely everywhere. Um, that I could. I could. I would struggle to live without. I have to say, uh -huh. um, in terms of tools or apps, um, keeping WhatsApp for social—that's one of the main things. Trying to trying to do anything over WhatsApp when you have multiple different groups, some of which are work, some of which are not. Uh, I just find it absolutely blitzes my brain. Um, getting away from Facebook again—I'm not a big fan these days. Now that I've got a marketing team doing doing some promo for us. It's kind of slipped further off my radar of things that which, are, which is actually useful and actually is instead rather a hindrance to concentration and focus. Um, Slack, Slack for our team has been really successful. Um, it's a really good app. It's a really good way of organizing conversation streams and having all information there in one place. Yeah. Um, Trello again, really good for lists. Um, the problem is, I mean, I've, I've worked on and organized lots of different teams and, and there are lots of wonderful project management tools out there. They're not always, they're not always applicable and they're not, they don't always work, mostly because 
trying to get a whole team to interact with them is the key. Yeah. In, so, in so many cases, everyone will just slip default back into emails and WhatsApps. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's all well and good coming up with proposing a whole new, oh, great, we've got this new platform, wonderful, it's an app, everyone download it onto their phone, everyone do this. You know, if you keep getting too many notifications, you'll turn them off. If you keep, if you don't quite understand how something works, you're not going to use it. Um, and so, yeah, on a team level, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's about finding what what really are the needs of the team and what it what works for people. Yeah, but, um, it's interesting what you it. said about about people um, slipping off. Um, we we use Slack within Engage for Success, and um, as our team changes a lot because we have a lot of secondees working with us, it waxes and wanes depending on their own style and experience. So we have a lot of, at the moment a lot of um, public sector people with us and of course they're not allowed to use most of the things that we use and so they automatically default to email and ceasing people and you know it's quite difficult to to get them to change their behavior because you know in their in their previous life that's that's what everyone did and um but as soon as people start to do that as they start to slip then you end up having to reply to emails because you know if somebody emails you you can't really reply to them via slack because it's a bit rude isn't it but on the other hand well, it's all about threads isn't it <laughs> yes yeah yeah it's all about keeping the thread going i mean mm. really, i mean really what we're talking about is is boiling it down to what is the best way of sharing ideas and information and communicating i mean mm. uh, um i mean regular meetings are obviously second to none in terms of how much you can actually get across in a short amount of time if you're focused um in terms of the inflection of what can be said in emails or between teams if there are tensions arising and stuff um you know the written word is nothing compared to people looking into the whites of each other's eyes and you know working working yeah. through it in that sense yeah. um it, it's not always possible um i mean i suppose you were talking about apps and tools actually my my for me aside from the communication thing is um dropbox and, and google drive are absolutely key in terms of especially with teams working remotely just being able to access all information pertaining to a company at any given moment and everything being really clear oh my god my, my admin these days has got um very specific in terms of folders and subfolders and being able to get hold of any everything when you need it because it just it just doesn't work otherwise, um, nah. and it's and, and and whatever system you use, it's got to it's, it's got to work it's got to work for you. I mean, obviously, yeah. it goes without it got it goes without saying, but having it having everything there accessible um, is is the key, really. Mm. Well, particularly where you're working on different quite distinct projects, so the the on song and then the the music venue side of things as well. How how do you balance the two, or how do you switch between the two? How do you keep them together or separate? How how do you manage the different areas that you have to be responsible for? Well, so initially I'm looking not, for some tips. <laughs> initially not very well. I mean, the problem the problem the problem and the solution is that my business partner, uh, Greg, the lovely Greg, is. Um, we I work on I work on both with him. Um, we have we have differentiated our roles quite a lot within the music whole project, and we can work separately on that a lot of the time. On song, we're inseparably working on all the all the time together. Um, I suppose for me, it's about about well priorities, but also just being boundaried um, and 
you know, knowing that if, a, if, a, if, if my on song days, if I have an email popping up for the Music Halls project, I'm not even going to look at it. I'm not going to be distracted by it because I spent a long time trying to keep, say, balls of three different projects up in the air at the same time. Um, yeah. And it really frazzled me. It really frazzled me. And I realized that I wasn't, um, I was getting to that stage, you know, when you find yourself just being um, reactionary to everything. You're kind of always waiting for more emails and messages and stuff to come in. You find you're not like, you're, you're not enacting, you're not actually proactively making stuff happen anymore. Um, yeah. uh, and I realized, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a very good way of working. And so just, be, yeah, being boundaried and giving myself um, space and also just not taking on too much. Mm. Um, that's mm. the other way of being able to, of being able to manage everything is, is, is that if you feel like you can't manage everything, then you're probably doing too much. That's really yeah. um, the place I found myself. And it's very difficult because you, you know, when a lot of the projects are labors of love, you know, and you spent a long time building up, it's very difficult to kind of um, take a back seat or to let them go. Um, but I mean, it, it's key. If you don't feel like you're achieving in what you're doing, um, then it's not good for your, for your mental state. Mm. Um, you've got to be you've got to be feeling like you're constantly making good strides forward um, in order to be feeling good about it really otherwise yeah. you're just on you're on catch up the whole time to yeah. yourself to yourself and to your team members and to the project as a whole you know mm -hmm. so let's sort of further develop that so the, the idea of, of looking after yourself and and being aware of, of how you're feeling and, and your health what other things are you doing for that presumably you're doing a bit of singing <laughs> not enough actually i try I and so. i yeah. try and practice what i preach as much as possible um yeah but i mean i try i try and sing i mean i try and sing um i like sitting down and, and learning new songs uh on the piano or on the guitar and just giving myself space to belt it out that just feels really good <laughs> um but no i mean you know it's all the basics sleeping as much as possible not going out and boozing too many nights in a week um exercising the link between exercising and mental health is just it's just enormous you know if you've sat indoors all day and haven't done anything and probably drunk too much caffeine it just doesn't make you feel very good yeah um, eating well you know all the all the basics really and then mm. giving yourself a chance to um yeah get get away from it get away from it in a physical sense in a mental sense be it reading being it you know going off and climbing hills or whatever um i suppose you know keeping up fixing up and looking sharp a little bit as well feeling like you know that comes down to exercising it comes down to making sure you wash your clothes occasionally and have a shave <laughs> oh you're not a proper musician then <laughs> <No>. <laughs> damn <laughs> So that, that's another thing, a question sort of, I guess, specifically in the art, artistic sort of world. When you talk about relaxing, you do, you, your work is something that other people would use to relax. Do you, can you sort of differentiate the two as in, you know, do you, you've said already you, you learn songs and, you know, belt stuff out and that that's, I guess that's your relaxing version of the music. Do you, do you sometimes find that you're, getting a bit jaded with it because it's your day-to-day -day stuff as well or, or are they different perspectives mm, no they, they're, they're very different perspectives actually um i think 
one thing that I've, I've you know, having played in bands and done stuff with other musicians for a long, long time, one thing that, I, that, that really gave me a real refreshing take on the world was um, playing my first solo gig, which I did um, at the beginning of this summer, um, which gave me real musical focus in a completely different way. I basically, I, I could strum chords in the guitar, but I could never actually, you know, rhythmically pick out um, in a way that I felt confident enough to perform with. Um, uh -huh. So getting my guitar chops up to speed, learning the songs, really thinking about how I was delivering it. I mean, it literally felt a million miles away from from what I was doing in my in my day job. Yeah. Um, and it was a real it was a real challenge. A bit like well, I don't know what analogy you might use, like training for a marathon or something. Is something which I was you 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 kind of you know you're going to be exposed and you know you're going to have to you know deliver it solo. Um, yeah. And it was incredibly refreshing um, and incredibly uplifting in doing it as well. Um, the confidence that comes out of it um, was fabulous. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well done. Sounds like it went well. Have you got another one booked in? Um, oh, yes, I do. Not till, not till towards the end of the year. Yeah. But, oh. Yeah, it was good. I mean, to me, I've sung, sung, sung songs for ages, and um, it wasn't that much of a step away from just sitting around with people playing anyway. Mm. Um, but something about it was was I think it comes down to it, it's a it's a confidence thing as well, mm. um, kind of how you perceive yourself. Um, interesting. I just have to have a word with myself and say, "Hang on, you've been doing this for years. Surely you can just do it." But you know, <laughs> not hiding behind any other musicians or friends or, or accomplices. You know, it's um, yeah, it was good. I mean, I but I I I always sort of aspire to that kind of approach that you know that the new is as refreshing as. Uh, is, there a, is there a phrase in there somewhere? <laughs> Pushing yourself into into new into new things is, yeah. you know, I find to be incredibly like, oh, you know, it 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 keeps it keeps everything fresh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Really I guess it's the challenge, isn't it? It's it's even if you're doing stuff you've done before, you're doing it in a different way or with a different, uh, I don't know, pressure on it type thing. Yeah. yeah. What what about those days where things don't go right? How do you deal with that? Well. I guess it depends. It depends. It depends in what way. It depends what it is and what's not going right. Um, I think back to. I remember there was they, they had some taster sessions in 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 Bristol where I used to live years ago, uh, and one and I went for a taster session in acupuncture. And the guy asked me, "What are you here for? Why 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 do you want to why do you want you know a taster session in acupuncture?" And I said I didn't really know. And so he started talking me through. Um, the, my, the idea of my, my five pillars and the, 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 the five kind of different strands of my life um, and the idea of if one thing coming out of kilter, then it throwing everything else. Yeah. Um, I suppose in that sense, a perspective, keeping this perspective is, 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 the, is the key and actually realising that if something doesn't go right or something is particularly making you feel uh, really wobbly, then there are always lots of other things around which are positive and which you can take a lot of strength from. Um, and, you know, I guess seeing everything in balance as well, you know, knowing that your, he that your head and your body are very much, your head and your body and your wallet, say, um, and, and your heart and, you know, all these things are very much, um, you know, interdependent and, you know, often a good run or a good swim or going, um, climbing a mountain, as I said, or, you know, 
th these physical things um, can often offset other things. And it's about not allowing yourself to, to wallow um, or to feel too downcast when something doesn't kind of go as you might want it. Yeah, yeah. So sort of switching things up, changing things. Um, I, I, in fact, when I'm having a bad day, I quite often sing <laughs> on the basis that Ooh. physically I know that should help, even if I don't think it's going to. <laughs> well, so, it does. I mean, it's, yeah. generally, it, it, it's, it's scientifically proven to work. Yes, yeah. Uh, so what about those days when you end the day knowing you've had the chance to live more? And by that, I mean to get to do the stuff you really want to do rather than the stuff you really should do or you have to do. What what does that day look like? What, what will you have done? Well, I mean, being out in nature. I mm -hmm. think that's that's so central to it. Um, if I feel physically exhausted and I've been out in nature, um, you know, I've been I've been surfing for the last 20 gosh, 25 years now, um, and having been a citizen of London town for a long time now, it's um, it, any, any time when I've been able to spend a lot of the day surfing, it feels like an amazing day. Um, I'm not sure Stroud is going to help with that one either, to be fair. It's closer, <laughs> come on. The commute from Newquay would have been a bit further though, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, I mean, we, South Wales is, is a hell of a lot closer than it was previously. True, um, true. I know I can tell you I mean it's very well researched I can tell you down to the last minute exactly how long it's going to take me <laughs> brilliant <laughs> um but you know good living as well if you go to bed feeling shall we say a bit tipsy having shared an amazing meal with friends and families you know that's mm -hmm. a that constitutes pretty good living to me as well yeah yeah lovely Thank you. Thanks, George. It's been so um, interesting. And um, we've gone quite uh, off piste in terms of some of the discussion, um, just because of the musician bit and, and my interest in such things too. And so it's been an extra interesting uh, podcast on the basis that uh, we've brought other things into it. So thank you very much for that. Sure. Well, can, thank you very much for having me. So how can people find out more about you and connect with you? Uh, so uh, I would point you towards um, Onsong, which is onsong.co.uk. Um, we are at Onsong Choirs or Onsong underscore music for the Instagram those of you. Um, the Music Hall project, we're running um, uh, really interesting shows, really good shows. Actually. We've got a fantastic autumn program, um, which started last week, actually, with the Congolese band. Um, and we have shows pretty much every week. Um, so have a look at that, which is musichalls.org. Um, you can find all the listings there. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye. Stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Join Power to Live More Calm membership today and make an investment in your future. The Power to Live More Calm membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation, and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists, and planners to keep you motivated, organised, and productive. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash getcalm. Use your power to live more.